You'll see in your worship guide, Job chapter 28. I'm going to read it to you now. Surely there is a mine for silver, and a place for gold that they refine. Iron is taken out of the earth, and copper is smelted from the ore. Man puts an end to darkness, and searches out to the farthest limit, the ore in gloom and deep darkness. He opens shafts in a valley away from where anyone lives. They are forgotten by travelers. They hang in the air far away from mankind. They swing to and fro. As for the earth, out of it comes bread, but underneath it is turned up as by fire. Its stones are the place of sapphires, and it has dust of gold. That path no bird of prey knows, and the falcon's eye has not seen it. The proud uh, beasts have not trodden it. The lion has not passed over it. Man puts his hand to the flinty rock and overturns mountains by the roots. He cuts out channels in the rocks and his eye sees every precious thing. He dams up the streams so that they do not trickle. They do not trickle. And the thing that is hidden he brings out to light. But where shall wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Man does not know its worth, and is not found in the land of the living. The deep says, it is not in me, and the sea says, it is not with me. It cannot be bought for gold, and silver cannot be weighed as its price. It cannot be valued in the gold of ophire, in precious onyx or sapphire. Gold and glass cannot equal it, nor can it be exchanged for jewels of fine gold. No mention shall be made of coral or of crystal. The price of wisdom is above pearls. The topaz of Ethiopia cannot equal it, nor can it be valued in pure gold. From where then does wisdom come? And where is the place of understanding? It is hidden from the eyes of all living and concealed from the birds of the air. Abdon and death say, We have heard a rumor of it with our ears. God understands the way to it, and He knows its place. For he looks to the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. When he gave to the wind its weight and appointed uh, and apportioned the waters by measure, when he made a decree for the rain and a way for the lightning of the thunder, then he saw it and declared it. He established it and searched it out. And he said to man, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to turn away from evil is understanding. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Thanks be to God. Uh, well, it is good to be here. Um, and I was going to say some nice things about Dan, but I think I'll skip that. <laughs> uh, no, it is good to be here. Uh, I was uh, for a long time in Denver, and uh, Dan was one of my students. And uh, so last night when we were having dinner, can you hear me? Okay. Uh, Someone said or asked, um, and even over lunch, uh, Aaron asked, uh, so do you remember Dan? (laughs) Right? Because I was in Denver for 20 years. And I probably had (coughs) at that seminary probably about 2,000 students over those 20 years. And I, I do remember Dan. And uh, I tell you that uh, just to encourage you because when you have 2,000 students, you're going to remember probably 10 to 20. 
perfectly frank. A lot of them, to me, uh, came and went and were nice. And, uh, but there's, you know, a few that I remember, and Dan is one of them. And so I just want to felicitarles. Uh, uh, I mean, I want, I want to just encourage you to, to appreciate Dan. He, I remember him uh, with a good mind and a good heart, um, careful thinker. And then yesterday I watched him with his children. And it's uh, important to watch what a man does with his children. And he has four daughters. Uh, the hormones will go crazy, I would think, pretty soon. <laughs> but in this country, uh, to watch how a father deals with his daughters is very important. And so I was very impressed not only with Dan as a student, but now Dan as a dad. And uh, then to be here and, and, and see the church just thrills my heart. So it, it is a privilege and a, and a pleasure for me to be here uh, this morning, no matter uh, if I have big ears or not. <laughs> what I'd like to do is to look at this passage. And uh, you have the passage in front of you in the bulletin. You may not be able to read it because you'll be fanning yourself. Um, but maybe you can take uh, some breaks from fanning yourself. If you have a Bible, that's great. And um, what I want to do is uh, begin uh, by telling you how the passage is structured, and then we'll move into it. If you look at the passage, it can be split into three parts, uh, which I'll explain in a little bit. Uh, verse 1 through 11. And this is where you see humanity looking for what humanity thinks is very valuable. We'll get to that in just a moment. The second part begins in verse 12 and will go through verse 22. And what this will tell us is that what really is important, humanity doesn't know where to find it. And then the third part, which is just from uh, that verse 23 through verse 28 will tell us that ultimately what we really need is found in God himself. Now, when we talk about what humans look for and long for, I want to begin with uh, just mentioning, and I don't know if you know the story, but this is the most famous story in Spanish literature. Don Quixote de la Mancha. Or as uh, the high school production of our uh, sons, when they were in high school, they put it on, it was Don Quixote. <laughs> Don Quixote. Don Quixote de la Mancha. And if you know the story, you may know about the windmills. And that may be all you know. And we even say that in English, you know, chasing after windmills. That comes from Don Quixote. In Spanish, we have a verb, quixotear. To be a Quixote, right? To give your life to search for something. But you do it as a self-deceived fool. As you read the stories of El Quixote, they're, they're vignettes of things that he does with his sidekick, Sancho Panza. It makes you laugh but he's a man you pity because he's self-deceived. 
This is the story of humanity, isn't it? The quest. If you go, I don't do video games, uh, but if you do video games, a lot of them are about, you know, you get points if you get somewhere, right? It's the quest. And then, uh, you know, the, the Mario Brothers or something, remember those? Uh, in Guatemala, we were, we were our, our friends would talk about Mario Bros. Mario Bros. <laughs> but in English, you know, B-R-O-S is the short for brothers. And so in Guatemala, they didn't know that. So they would just call it Mario Bros. Right? <laughs> But in, in Mario Bros, uh, you, you know, you jump on things and you jump over things and you get points for this, right? And the whole point is to, to end the quest with the highest score. We love those stories, right? We love the Indiana Jones, right? And all, all those stories are about the quest, right? The Lost Ark, right? The Holy Grail. Right? And then the very last one, which was the worst one, uh, this kind of thing, you know, coming from outer space. Remember this one? Did you ever watch that? Did you watch that one? What was that called? Crystal well, Krista, that wasn't, that wasn't as good as the others. <laughs> but this is what we do as humans. And what we find in this text is that humans have a particular quest that they dedicate their life to and are actually pretty good at it. So let's go to the text. Surely there is a mine for silver and a place for gold that they refine. Iron is taken out of the earth and copper is smelted from the ore. Now here we have both precious metals, right? The silver and the gold, but also the utilitarian metals of iron and copper. And it's not just extracting these from the earth, but actually working these to make them useful or even more valuable. Man puts an end to darkness and searches out to the farthest limit, the ore and gloom and deep darkness, deep tunnels into the ground where it's dark. He opens shafts in the valley away from where anyone lives and they are forgotten by travelers. They hang in the air. You see these shafts and they, they go down by ropes. We're all very good at this. Far away from mankind, they swing to and fro as they go down the shaft. As for the earth, out of it comes bread, which would be on top of the ground. But underneath, you see, where humans are, are plumbing the depths for the ore, it is turned up as by fire. Its stones are the place of sapphires. This is going to be an important word. In fact, there's several words in this passage that are repeated over and over again. And one of them is place. And here it's the place of sapphires. And it is dust of gold. Humans are amazing. They go down into the ground, into the, to the darkest pits. And they find rocks. Now, I was telling my wife this, and, and women, you know, uh, probably won't appreciate this, but, you know, why are we so enthralled by a rock, right? And we'll put them on a, on a finger, right? And so when a woman gets engaged, what do they want to look at? The rock, <laughs> right? But it's just a rock. But we are fascinated as humans by these rocks. <laughs> by the sapphires and all these other ones that we're going to see mentioned in just a little bit. And that makes us unique. 
what we can do. Look at what follows in verse 7 and 8. That path, that path into the underground, no bird of prey knows, and the falcon's eye, eye has not seen it. You see, we're going to see that the eye and the seeing is going to be repeated several times too. And the falcon is a sharp eye. You see, they float in the air, and when they spot a rabbit or they spot, you know, a mouse or whatever, they, they zoom in because they see it. Falcons have amazing eyes, but they can't see where humans go. And the proud beasts have not trodden it, the path into the deepest earth. The lion, the most majestic beast, has not passed over it. Humans are unique. Not only because of where we go, but look at the power that we have. Man puts his hand to the flinty rock and he overturns mountains by the roots. He cuts out channels in the rocks and here is the seeing. And his eye sees everything, every precious thing. Humans have an ability to find these rocks. Now, what we find in history and even today, is that this can come at great cost, not only at great effort, but great cost. Ancient Egypt, if you know Egypt, it's mostly desert, but you got this green line in the middle, right? The Nile. Not many valuable rocks along the Nile. So what the Egyptians would do in the ancient world is they would, because they had found some valuable rocks on the Sinai. Now the Sinai is not as green and plush as this. (laughs) The Sinai is a desert with mountains of rocks. And what they would do, because it was so hard and so hot, they would send slaves to do the digging and prisoners of war. And so many would die in the heat of the mines on Sinai. If we think about today, we think about the blood diamonds... South Africa? There's been movies made about that. And we think about the coal mines deep into the ground. Elevators now, right? Not ropes, but elevators going down. But then we hear about mines collapsing. Or these men, after so many years working in the mines, they get what's called black lung. And it kills them. The mining is an amazing human achievement. But it comes at great cost, even though we think with great value. And we're unique among all creatures. The sharpest eye can't see where we go. The most majestic beast cannot go where we go. And here in verse 9, no one else can do what we can do. Verse 10, he cuts out channels in the rocks and his eye sees every precious thing, every precious rock, what we think is precious. He dams up the stream so that they do not trickle. Not trinkle as Dan read, but trickle. (laughs) And the thing that is hidden, he brings out to light. That's going to be another word. So I've mentioned several words. I've mentioned place, I've mentioned I, I've mentioned see, I've mentioned hidden. 
Another word that goes all the way back uh, to verse... Where is it? In verse 3, search. So these are all words that are going to pop up again. But I want you to look how verse 11 plays off of verse 12. See, in verse 11, 10 and 11, we can see every precious thing and nothing is hidden. But then in verse 12, but where shall wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? See, we know where the place is, if you go back to verse 6. We know where the place is for precious rocks. But where is the place of understanding? Where can wisdom be found? I mean, we can find anything. We'll just dig a hole in the ground. But where can wisdom be found? Where can we learn how to choose the right way? Where can we find the place of discernment so we know which road to take and which decision to make? For Moibux. <laughs> you look what it says in verse 13. And here's going to be another important word in this chapter. Man doesn't know... It's worth. You see, we know the worth of precious things. The rocks, the diamonds, the gold, the silver, the sapphires. But we do not know the worth of wisdom. And it is not found. That's the whole point. Where do you find it? But it's not found in the land of the living. So the question is, how valuable is wisdom? And if it's not found in the land of the living, then where do we find it? Now, if we go into the depths of the earth, if we go you know, down these shafts looking for gold and silver and coal and all these other things, that's not the land of the living either. So maybe we just need to dig another hole in the ground. And, and we'll find the place where that precious item is found. But look what the text says. In verse 13, if at the end of verse 12 it says it's not found in living, then it moves to the oceans. The deep says it's not in me, and the sea says it's not with me either. Now what you're seeing the text tell you is this. We can start from a shaft on the top of the ground and go into the ground. But if you go to the ocean side and look at the ocean and ask yourself, how deep is that? That's deeper than any human shaft. That's deeper than we can even imagine. That's even deeper than any of us can go. We can go down a shaft, but we cannot go down into the deep. How long can you hold your breath? How deep in the modern world can that tank take you? That tank of oxygen. How deep can you go before the pressure will crush your body? Till you start hallucinating. How deep can you really go? But it tells us that even the deepest parts of the ocean, they don't have it. They don't even know where it is. So how do we find the place? What he's saying is you can't. So let's go back to the issue of how much is it worth? If you go back you see, to verse 10, we know the kind of the precious things, but how much is wisdom worth? Can we buy it? 
And I just want you to look, first of all, at the kinds of things that are mentioned. And I'll just begin in verse 15, so follow me with your eyes. 15, gold, silver. 16, gold of Ophir, onyx, or onyx, sorry, sapphire. Verse 17, gold, glass. And here he's talking about glass vessels, like uh, pots and things, which are very precious in the ancient world. Jewels of fine gold. Verse 18, coral, crystal, pearls. Verse 19, the topaz of Ethiopia, gold. In fact, if you were to count how many times gold is mentioned, it's mentioned five times. That's how it begins, actually, in verse 1, isn't it? The place for gold. And here he mentions gold five times. Fine gold, pure gold, regular gold. (laughs) But look at the verbs. Verse 15. Can't be bought. Can't be weighed. Now why would you weigh something? Well, in the ancient world, if you wanted to know how much gold you had, or how much silver you had, you would weigh it. (laughs) And the heavier it was, the more you had. Let me give you an interesting play in Hebrew. In Hebrew, the word for glory is kavod. The word for heavy is kaved. And when, if you remember this story, in 1 Samuel 4, when the ark of God is taken by the Philistines, then the Philistines start having things happen to them. And it says the hand of God was kaved upon the Philistines. It says it several times. And if you remember the story, after that battle... The messenger comes to tell Eli what's happened. (laughs) Remember that story? (laughs) And he says, everyone's died, even your two sons have died today. And I alone live to tell the tale. And then it says, this is coming off my ear, my big ear. (laughs) Then he says, the narrator tells us, that the wife of Phineas dies in childbirth. And she names her son Ikkavod, no glory, because the Kavod of Israel has been taken away. In Isaiah chapter 6, the earth is full of the Kavod of God. See, God is heavy. But God is heavy in holiness and righteousness and power. God is kaved. God is heavy. That's how you know his worth. And here, you can't weigh it with silver and gold. Verse 16, it can't be valued. Verse 17, Gold and glass cannot equal it, nor can it be exchanged for jewels of fine gold. No mention shall be made of coral or crystal. The price is above the price of pearls. The topaz cannot equal it, nor can it be valued in pure gold. We cannot buy it. 
We can find expensive rocks. We can smelt the ore. We can cut the diamonds. We know what we think that's worth, but we cannot buy the wisdom of God. Humans don't know its worth. But we dedicate our life to finding rocks. Little boys do this. You don't have little boys? What do they look for? Rocks. And then they bring the rocks home. Look, Mom! Look what I found! (laughs) And you know what? Humans grow up and they're still looking for rocks. (laughs) We don't know the value of wisdom. We think we know what is valuable. We think we have a handle on the precious things. And in our arrogance, in our self-sufficiency, you know, we don't need to do the Christian thing. We're beyond that. We just don't know how ignorant you really are. Verse 19, he goes back, from where then does wisdom come And where is the place? That's again the question, the place. Where is the place? We know the place of the rocks. But where is the place of wisdom? And here, I'm the seminary prophet. I want you to look very carefully. Go back to verse 13. uh, Sorry, verse 12. Where shall wisdom be found? But now look at verse 20. From where does wisdom come? It's actually looking for us. In fact, if you go to the book of Proverbs, in the first couple of chapters, wisdom is crying out in the streets. Wisdom is trying to make itself visible. Wisdom is offering a banquet, it says, a banquet that leads to life. But there's another woman, the strange woman of Proverbs, whose banquet leads us to death. And that's what most people will choose. They will choose death over life. Wisdom is coming out, trying to make itself known. But where? Verse 21, it is hidden from the eyes. Go back to verse 11. The thing that is hidden, if it's a rock, we can do it. But now go to verse 21. But it's hidden, the wisdom is from us. Go back to verse 10. His eye sees everything precious. But look in verse 21. It is hidden from the eyes. We are totally blind when it comes to the things that really matter. Concealed from the birds of the air. Abaddon and death. This is deeper than the oceans. In the ancient world, the dead would go underneath everything. If you can't get to the bottom of the oceans to find wisdom, no way you will get to where the dead live or abide beyond where we could even imagine to go. And even the place of the dead says, we don't know where it is. Now, if we were to stop here and say, okay, time for coffee and pizza, right? (laughs) We think we've got it under control, but we really don't. And you know what? You can't find it. It'd be kind of a depressing end, wouldn't it? But look how the chapter will end. 
God understands the way to it. And look at the very next line. He knows its place. We don't know its worth. We have no idea of its place. God knows its place. Now look at the whole metaphor again of watching and seeing in the eyes. For he looks to the ends of the earth. He sees everything under the heavens. If you were to go back to verse 10, we see precious things. We see rocks. But God sees everything under the heavens. God sees everything. His view isn't limited to the rock. And when he gave to the wind its weight, and he portioned the waters by measure when he made a decree for the rain which we saw this morning and a way for the lightning of the thunder this morning uh, we stayed uh, in the house of Bruce and Carol are they in here? oh there you are yeah, yeah. so remember Carol I said to you this morning is that thunder? I can't control that then the rains came then they went away and just left the humidity <laughs> but what he's saying is God is controlling the very things we cannot control. The wind. The waters. The seas. The oceans. The rain. The lightning. The thunder. The very things we cannot control. He not only controls them. He has decreed when and where. And then verse 27. Again, look at the metaphor. He saw it. Saw the wisdom. He declared it. He announced it. He established it. It's a sure thing. He searched it out. Don't you remember how it begins in verse 3? We search for the rocks. But God has searched out His own wisdom. And He has said to us in verse 28, Behold, the fear of Adonai, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. That's why you can't buy it. And it's not in a place geographically. The place is in here, isn't it? The choices you make. But then he adds something that's important. Because it's not about getting a degree in philosophy. That's interesting. What is wisdom? The fear of the Lord, but what is understanding? It's to turn away from evil. It's a life choice, not only a heart choice. It's a life choice to turn from evil. If you know the book of, uh, of Job, and I know you know it very well because of Dan, that's how the book actually begins in verse 1. Job was a man of integrity who feared God and turned away from evil. And twice God will say to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, a man of integrity, who fears God and has turned from evil? See, Job is going back. I was listening to your sermon from last week. Halfway through. He's going back to the beginning. What you were talking about last week. This is how the book begins. And now he's beginning to put it together. Beginning in, verse, in chapter 29, he'll give one last you know, round of, I'm innocent. But he's stumbling his way back to the beginning. And at the end of the book, in chapter 42... It's not that he gets why things have happened, but he repents in dust and ashes, and he trusts God.
This is a, a, a great chapter in the book because it humbles humans. No matter how smart you are or you think you are, there's always somebody smarter. <laughs> if you think you're wealthy, you know what? There are a lot of people more wealthy than you. And so don't be a snoot. Right? Come on. Well, I buy my stuff at Nordstrom's. Do you know what that is? You don't. You don't know what it is. Okay, ask your mom. It's kind of an upscale store. Okay, so you buy your... Okay. Well, let's go to London and let's go to Harrods. Okay, I'll, I'll one-up you. I mean, we can do this all day. The wealth doesn't matter. The arrogance of how smart you think you are doesn't matter. What matters is the wisdom of God. And if you've turned from evil, that's beyond worth and you'll never find it on your own. Only with God. Now, let me just close with this. What does Jesus say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. We now have the way to God and to wisdom. But Proverbs says it well, and this gets picked up by Paul. The fear of the Lord is the... Do you know the rest of the line? What's the rest of the line? The beginning. Because it's not like, whoop, you go through some kind of force field and you're there. It's a pilgrimage of growth, painful sometimes, full of scars and mistakes, with little kiddos and walking through their pains and their disappointments, of having to bury your parents, to lose a child. This is, this is life in all of its hard ways. You don't go through some force field and boop, you're there. It's the beginning. And that's why Paul will say in the first chapter of Ephesians, my prayer for you, he says, that your eyes would be open and that God would give you a spirit of revelation to understand the deep things of life and of his person. So, my encouragement to you is search for wisdom. Get beyond the rocks. <laughs> Turn from evil. The people I've met, and I know that you'll be in good hands with Dan, Dan will lead the way. So pray for him that God would keep him pure in his heart, for his family. Pray for him and the elders. I've met Bruce. Bruce is a good man. Has had some good conversations last night and this morning. Got some good people here. It's a good church. Aquí hay buena gente, as we would say in Spanish. May God bless you. Can I pray for you and for Dan? Oh, Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for Dan and Aaron. Give them wisdom beyond their years. Give them a good marriage. Help them to be wise parents and good shepherds. What a great start here in Appleton. The leaders, we pray for them. 
the people who play the music, the elders who run things, the people who work with the kiddos. May this be a beacon on a hill and a light of wisdom that will bring people to the truth and to understanding that they may turn from evil and follow you. May you be glorified not only this morning, but in the life of this church. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.